see him. Got a few to go. Oh, I did. I thought you were doing today. Now we actually got. You want to do that one instead? I mean, just in case. No, first. No, no, there's plenty. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We've got like uh, ten minutes. We usually got three. Okay, short thought. Just as Hashem possesses a deep and unwavering love for every Jew, so must we develop a deep and unwavering love for one another. Okay, this one is called uh, Don't Jump to Conclusions. Doeg Adomi is one of the most tragic figures in all of Tanakh. He was a great Torah scholar, but a jealous person, and this proved to be his undoing. In particular, Doeg, Doeg was jealous of David, even before David had ascended the throne as king of the Jewish people. Doeg convinced Shaul HaMelech that Achimelech, the Kohen HaGadol, was aiding David against the king. Shaul accepted Doeg's slander as fact and ordered the murder of Achimelech and other Kohenim of Nov. Shaul sinned in accepting the Rechelis spoken by Doeg. Our sages tell us that because of this tragic episode, Shaul later died in a war and Doeg lost his share in the world to come. This illustrates the sages' teaching. Lushan Hora kills three people. The speaker, the one who accepts the report, the listener, and the one who, whom it was spoken. As with Lushan Hora, there are times when it's permissible to listen to Rechelis for constructive purpose. However, one is not permitted to accept the report as fact. Instead, he should investigate the matter and in the meantime, take whatever steps are necessary to protect himself in the case the report is true. That's funny, you talk about cookies. Anybody want cookies? <laughs> no, just listen to, listen to the story. At Yeshiva and Shei Chesed, fifth grader Ari was given detention for throwing... No, it's not this one, it's different. Uh, fifth grader Ari was given detention for throwing the razor out the window. A week later, Ari's mother met a friend whose son Asher was in the same class. Asher told me that your son was punished for throwing an eraser out the window. He also told me that two other boys did the same thing before your son did it, but nothing happened to them. Maybe the principal didn't catch them. That night, Ari's mother wrote a letter to the principal, repeating what she had heard and concluding that obviously her son had been unjustly disciplined since he was merely copying others. To herself, she said, I think the principal just has it in for my son. The next morning, the principal called Asher into the office. I hear that two boys threw their razor out the window before Ari. Ah, that's what Ephraim told me. I wasn't there when it happened. Minutes later, the principal was questioning Ephraim about the incident. Ephraim, looking a bit uncomfortable, explained, actually, they didn't throw the, the razor out the window. They were having a, a, a catch with the razor in the classroom. Then Ari grabbed it and threw it out the window. So... If you followed all of that, um, the, the, the kids didn't tell the story correctly. The mother jumped to the wrong conclusion, and that's the lesson. Before we get angry over something that we have been told, we should first make sure that the information is correct. In our example, before speaking to her, 
But before repeating her son's words to Ari's mother, Asha's mother should have asked him, how do you know they threw the, re the razor out the window? Did you see it? Her next step could have been to ask Asha to double check with Ephraim that the story was accurate. Ari's mother should, should, also should have realized information related by children, as well as adults, is not always accurate. Therefore, she was wrong to believe the report as soon as she received it. So to summarize, we are permitted to listen to Rechilus Letoeles for constructive purpose. Without believing it as fact, we must check that the facts are correct before drawing conclusions. Exactly. Um, do you want to be a minute? Yeah? Do you want to start that and do one of those? Yeah, so this is another book that I got. You'll see it's really interesting. It's, he's a guy from New York, Rabbi Tzvi Nachman. He's, a, he's an attorney, and I don't know if he's a rabbi as well. But I'll just... There's a whole bunch of these short, short anecdotes which teach a halachic lesson. So we'll just do the first one. So it's called Dodging Domestic Debts. The Goldbergs live near a small grocery store owned by Moshe. From time to time, Mrs. Rachel Goldberg will come in, into the store and buy a variety of household items on credit, i.e. Rachel has a tab at the store. Her husband, Reuven Goldberg, never went shopping with Rachel at this particular store. After a few months, Moshe noticed that the Goldberg's account balance was becoming fairly high, so Moshe asked Mrs. Goldberg to pay down her account at the store. However, Mrs. Goldberg responded to Moshe that she has no money of her own to pay him. And when asked, Rachel's husband refused to pay the bill. Does Moshe have any recourse against Mrs. Goldberg's husband? Okay, so they're all like this. Yeah. They give a practical yeah. story, and then they'll bring in the halacha, and then he brings in um, U.S. law. So, And then... He'll give his conclusion, and then they give you other points to consider. So, okay, yeah, so everyone's good. He's liable. Okay. If a married woman causes damage to someone, the Shulchan Aruch rules that the victim cannot make a claim against the assets of the husband for repayment. What about a loan made to a married woman? Although Rama, the, the Rama quotes a dissenting opinion, the accepted rule, as cited by the Rama, is that the husband is generally not responsible for the debts of his wife, even if the wife is active in running, in the running of the, of the, of the household, unless, two points, one, the items his wife purchased of, are in the rishus of the husband, what's rishus? She brings it to his house. Okay. Or two, the husband benefited from them. The Sheikh, however, vehemently disagrees with the Rama's ruling, taking the position that a husband is generally required to pay any debts that his wife incurs in the running of their household. The Sheikh argues that the marketplace would be adversely impacted if this were not the rule, since merchants would be hesitant to make alone or give credit to a wife if a husband was not obligated to stand behind the loan or pay the debt. So in conclusion, based on the foregoing, since Mrs. Goldberg's purchase, purchases at the grocery 
store were in the normal course of her household activities and presumably her husband derived benefit from these household items, then according both to both the Rama and the Shach, Mrs. Goldberg's husband would be required to pay the balance of his wife's account at the store. So everyone was right. So here's an addendum. Note that generally, that generally under American law, unless the jurisdiction in which the couple lives is one of the so-called common law states, as opposed to living in one of the few community property states, spouses are not responsible for the debts of each other unless the debt is for a family necessity such as food or shelter for the family. However, if the couple lives in the so-called community property states, example, Arizona, California, or Louisiana, then typically each spouse is responsible for the debts of each other. It is interesting to note that the distinction between common law states that states, the distinction between common law states and community property states for spousal responsibility of each other's debts are along the same lines respectively as that of the ruling of the Rama and the Shach described above. Okay, we don't have time, but it, they bring on two different points. So maybe we've got a minute. Would the conclusion above be affected if Moshe owned a furniture store rather than a grocery store and Mrs. Goldberg had bought a futon from him? Yes, because the, the family benefited from it. If, any, if the husband sat on it once, he benefited from it, so yes. Well, they're saying if it's groceries, it's the household right. stuff. But if it's, <coughs> if it's a luxury, would if the husband... If you made the decision to sell it to her, I would think she's liable to pay you. <laughs> They don't give the yeah, answer, exactly. they just raise the question. Except the marriage is a contract, right? And, and, and the debts of one partner to a contract are enforceable to the other it, within that contract. Furthermore, I, you know, I don't know, it might not be relevant, but the California Supreme Court ruled in 1895 that there is no common law in this state. So. So. Just she just can go out and get her own credit, and she's personally liable for that. Yeah, but credit. not under halakhic law, can she? Well, he's given the example. If she went and bought some furniture on credit, they, they must be talking about she has to owe money or it wouldn't be a question. Right. So. Right. There's one more question. What if Rocha Goldberg was single and living in her parents' home? Would there be any argument that her parents should be responsible for her tab at the store? These are all with the question of the uh, no. She's an adult? Yeah. yeah. She yeah, she's own, not married. She has she's, her own credit card? Yeah, she's, she's that her parents aren't liable. Yeah. What I'm saying is I think that if you have your own credit card, you're responsible. So, I mean, I, it doesn't give you the, they don't, conclude on it, but, but I think you've got to apply the, the lessons. She, that she's still under father's household if she's as living long in as the house. As long as she's a virgin. Right, so if that's the case, she's still living in her parents' house, yeah. she goes out and buys it. Does yeah, her father no, then have some life? It's not relevant to because there's no virgins anymore. <laughs> she's still Everybody that they're writing the about in the book is I'm missing the point. I think it's the character of the goods that we should be discussing here, whether they're consumable or whether they're chattel or movable, you know, and uh, and could be reclaimed. Uh, I think that uh, there is a certain amount of 
of responsibility uh, based upon the, the seller as well as on the recipient of the credit. I, I think you're right, but I think the point is, I'm just reading it, just is if the husband derived benefit from these household items, then he would be required to, to be. So, but I don't know if it's parents for, for children either, so. Well, just a quick point. You know somebody that is married, not divorced, had a wife that was one of these people that couldn't control herself. She keep spending money. And she ran up a debt of $3 million. On her own credit cards, they were credit cards in her name. He was responsible for the debt. And uh, I'm the American law. Under California state. But so there's the this, it doesn't always follow halachic law. So I think that's what we're learning here. But, but uh, is it not saying that there? Well, this this is a cool book because it's telling you Jewish law and secular law. Oh, so it owns half of everything. Though, so right. you can see why it would be collectible from the estate in California. Mm -hmm. She still ran up the debt, and it's still against her part half of the estate that she would get. So, but if they took, do they pay it mutually? Is the question. Is he on the hook for half? And she was on, would it be from the split or would they split and then she would be liable for the three million? So that's why it's a good book. And all, all of them are kind of interesting. Cool, yeah. But also, too, we okay, cool. we'll have to get some card. answers, though. You're dealing with a credit card, and a credit card may require two signatures on it. So the fact is the liability is established at the time that the application is submitted. Sure, right.